Hello, welcome to Oversharing Wearing, my honest account of living with anxiety. I hope you're all doing well. I'm really conscious that it's been nearly six months since I last did a podcast. The truth is that I haven't really kind of had the bandwidth to articulate how I have been feeling. And every time I've gone to record it, I've kind of had this overwhelming sort of sense of unease. So I've kind of like listened to that and and stepped back a bit. I think the truth is that actually I have been finding this year a lot. I kind of hoped once the pandemic had settled into a bit of a kind of new normal that I would find things easier but actually I had a really difficult work situation um, in March which went on into April and it triggered a lot of things for me such as not feeling good enough, blaming myself and I felt really really low and also it was kind of at a time when you're kind of well into the year and you're hoping for good things and my anxiety gets worse if I don't see something coming and so I was in a really kind of unusual situation for me where I actually did try and confront the situation and I didn't get anywhere and that was really really tough and actually once the decision had been made to leave, I, I uh, actually was more worried about my mental health than anything else because I, I was thinking, well, if this is going to impact me, I need to be mindful of that, so I need to look after myself. And actually, I think that in itself is progress. So I've just wrapped up recently 16 months of counselling. I know I've spoken in previous episodes about my counselling and actually I think had I not had that it would have really been a different scenario with what happened with my work. So I kind of knew that at some point it was going there was going to be an emotional fallout and I, what I do normally in these situations is I try and look for the fun to try and counteract how I feel. But sometimes you have to not push it. And if, if so, what I did was I booked something in London and I'm just about to talk about a panic attack. So if, if this is triggering for you, I'm just going to let you know beforehand. So I have had this before and I would say to anybody listening to this if you start to get feelings of anxiety and panic don't just try and push it away don't kind of what am I looking what am I looking to say don't just suppress it because it's there for a reason there are alarm bells for a reason so I kept swallowing down this anxiety and I could feel it mounting um, we stayed overnight and then the next morning we were in a department store and I could start to feel my heartbeat get faster and my hands started to sweat. And I normally what I've been able to do in the past is calm myself down.
but my thoughts were racing. And I think this is what happens with when you're, you're at kind of peak anxiety anyway, is that your adrenaline levels are, are firing all over the place. And I didn't feel calm. I felt agitated. I'd been agitated for a few weeks. I'd had a few other things that were happening at the same time. And I just started to feel breathless. And it was almost like I was paralysed by the anxiety. So I went to sit down and have a cup of tea. I couldn't even hold the cup. I was shaking so much. And actually, what I had done was I had some, in the past, well, since the pandemic, I carry around with me a couple of Valium, which I don't normally take. And I haven't taken it for a long time. But actually, I thought to myself, this is this is actually getting worse by the second. Why not take the Valium? Be kind to yourself. Expect that you're, you know, you're going to feel bad once the Valium's worn off, but at least you'll be able to get back home. Because what it did was, I felt like I couldn't even contemplate walking anywhere. I've never had that before. It was really terrifying, actually. And the thing is, it's so much in your head and it's raging. The thoughts are raging. And I just thought to myself, you're going to have to try and calm yourself down with this Valium. And almost within 10 minutes, it hadn't quite kicked in. And I was thinking, okay, what if I end up going to hospital? What if I die? Like, I went down that path. So... What I learned from that is that I've been in London before and I've had panic attacks. And actually, I need to look at why that happens. What, what is it about being in London that, that can trigger those attacks? Because normally, it's my happy place. It's where I go and I love to hang out and find new places to eat. And since I had been started my therapy, I've been unearthing a lot of the core reasons that I struggle with anxiety. And actually, since this year, well, actually, probably the end of last year, I've realised that I'm grieving. I'm grieving a lot of things. um, But the two main ones that I want, want to talk about are, the first one is my the relationship with my mum. I so wanted to be close to her. And I know I've talked about this in other episodes. I so wanted us to connect and her to be loving and us to have a really good relationship. And I've realised that how she's treated me over the years, putting me down, commenting on my weight, looking at my appearance and appraising what I'm wearing and saying a top I'm wearing looks awful or doesn't suit me or isn't flattering belittling me, looking at my hair, picking up strands and saying, it's a shame you've got such dead hair. I've realised, I realised a couple of months ago that if I was in a relationship with someone behaving like that, that's abuse. There's gaslighting involved. There's coercive control. There's putting down someone. And I thought to myself... Why am I putting up with this? 
Yes, she's my mum, but what the hell am I doing? It has impacted my mental health so badly because actually I wanted her, and I've realised this, to be my person, to be the person that would love me unconditionally because I know that I've loved her unconditionally. I've absolutely idolised her and I'm thinking, no, enough's enough. Because of how my dad behaved, because of the years of torment and just walking on eggshells, I just absolutely looked to her to be the parent, to be the person, to be the one that loved me, that, that I could be safe with. And that, that hasn't happened. So through having my therapy, I've realised, which probably sounds terrible, and, and, but I've realised that sometimes, this is so hard to say, that she's not a very nice person, that she hasn't been there for me when I've needed her. And there's a detachment there with her. And I think that has been a huge part of why I'm anxious. And I don't want to put it all on her, but there is this unsettled feeling. So I've been thinking about that a lot recently. So when we're little, when we're babies, our parents will soothe us. So they might do that by rocking or playing some gentle music or by kissing us or cuddling us as babies. That's what parents do. When you get older, you, you learn to self-soothe. So whether that's through talking yourself down in a situation or if something bad happens, you might go for a run or uh, phone a friend or talk to your partner you do stuff that will make you feel better. When you're anxious or depressed, those those options aren't available in your mind. You don't think, oh, I know, I'll feel better if I go for a walk or I'll feel better if I speak to somebody or reach out to someone I care about. You become more and more intrinsically frightened to actually speak your truth to say how you're really feeling because you're fearful of everything absolutely everything and actually I was fearful to say to my mum can you not speak to me like that I don't deserve this or why are you being like that so I've put up with it for years and years and years you couple that with how my dad was no wonder I can't self-soothe no wonder I am I'm unable to find something within myself this we've all got a spot with, that we sit on and if you're knocked off that spot for whatever reason it's it can be really hard to climb back on and actually it's always the same when I've when I was having a really difficult time with my mum I I just kind of like Pretend that she's not being like that. And I think that's part of how people in abusive situations cope. They almost don't see the reality of it in a way to kind of say, that to manage it. So when I was having a really hard time with my job, even though I was with my husband, I, I wanted to speak to my mum, which is really strange because I knew for a fact she wouldn't be there for me. But I rang her and I was really crying and she was like, I can't talk now, I'm going into the cinema. That's it. So there, and I knew it. So it's almost like 
I made myself feel worse. I didn't think, wow, you know, step back for a minute. How can you make yourself feel better? Why are you looking to the one person that's going to make you feel bad about yourself? What's that about? And it's almost like I keep running back and going, love me, accept me, see me for who I am. And it's not going to happen. And what my therapist said was, you've built a fairy tale that doesn't exist. And it sounds really straightforward to say all this, but the crushing disappointment, the feeling of not being enough or what she wanted, whether or not it's even about me, I don't know, has been so hard to take. And actually, now that my children are getting older, and two of them are adults, I think, my God, I drop everything for them every time they need me. I may not behave the way they want me to, I might not say the right things, and they will call me out on that. So if something does happen, and they're struggling, if I kind of say something that doesn't sit well with them, they'll be like, well, mum, you don't need to say that. So I feel good about that because I've given them the tools to be able to push back to people when they're not behaving very well. Whereas for me, I've just sort of rolled over. So the last few months have been tough, really tough. I kind of had to pick myself up again in April and then I got COVID. And I'm not going to lie, I have felt really lost and almost like why me you know why why didn't I have parents that wanted to care for me and wanted to be there for me and almost why don't they like me (laughs) which is like ridiculous but it's true and I've kind of seen a different side to things and once you accept your reality you accept your fate you've got to move forward with that. You can't then go back and, and pretend and put your, you know, your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 this isn't real, this isn't real. You have to then go, okay, how, where do I go from here? So I've decided to slightly step back. Not just from my mum, but from situations that don't serve me. There is no point in keep pushing for something that is going to make you feel bad and accept a different outcome. The same outcome will happen because even how how much you wish, expect, dream, it's not going to happen. And I've realised as I'm talking, I'm almost convincing myself of that. So what have I done? I have put in boundaries. They're not firm but I have stepped back from my mum and I have thought long and hard about do I just cut her off no do I confront her no because nothing will change if I try and reason with her I will also look batshit crazy trying to say can you be nice to me it's not It doesn't work like that. So I have now have to step back because I've been looking at her and I've been looking at other people to fill the void. 
that I've always felt, and I think a lot of people have this, this is really common, there's an emptiness. It's symptomatic of living in the 21st century. We get so much so readily that actually we can feel out of touch with ourselves and with other people. So we will shop, eat, drink, consume, 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 and actually there's a void. And I have a huge void in myself that I've always had. And what I've wanted is other people to fill that, but it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You need to be able to fill that void within yourself. I need to be able to self-soothe. I need, need to be able to reassure myself. I need to be able to rely on myself. I can't keep looking at the people that make me feel shit about myself and hoping that they will just suddenly turn around and go, do you know what? You're pretty lovely and I'm really glad we can hang out. It's so... I've had to change the narrative. And it takes time and practice, but that's what I'm trying to do. And with the work situation, I learned a lot because I did want to kind of have a freak out. I did want to kind of be confrontational, but obviously that's not going to do any good because it plugged into so many things that I've, I struggle with and which is feeling accepted. And I think that it's been like this for a, a few years before the pandemic. It's It's been... And I, I know a part of it is because my children are bigger, that they are no longer the sole focus. They're, they're growing up, they're moving away. And actually, again, another realisation, I spent a lot of time with them, you know, lots of hugs, lots of kisses. And obviously when they're teenagers, they don't want that. They don't want you anywhere near them, really, On well. And so I've been trying to accommodate having four, not little people anymore, four, you know, adults that need me in a different way and I need to show up for them and I want to be the best version I can for them as a mum because you have to change as you parent through the years. You can't parent them the same. It, and the thing is, they've got their own voices, their own personalities. Of course, I, this goes without saying, but... It's been a steep learning curve for me because I've so loved being a mum. and But I also want the best for them and I want them to be happy, which I never had. So I really want that for them. And that has been interesting this year because a lot has changed with my children and, you know, relationships and new things have come in for them. And I have found it tough. I have found it tough. And I know I'm not the stoic person that I'd like to be. I don't find it easy just to shake things off and move on and move forwards. And that is part of this feeling of not feeling enough, not feeling adequate, of looking at myself. And how often do we do this where we go, am I enough? How do I feel about myself? We don't. Well, I mean, maybe you do, but people I've spoken to, we, we've got a lot of trauma that we carry around, like concrete bricks in a rucksack that we can't put down. We can't put down that rucksack. So we are carrying around all these heavy blocks of grief, trauma, 
fear, anxiety, depression. And what you sometimes have to do is just pause and think, how can I put down one of these blocks at a time? And that's what I've had to do with how to parent, how to cope with my mum, how to navigate difficult situations. Because my default setting is to play the... Not play the victim, but to be... I almost... I, I don't know... I go out of myself and I'm like... I'm, I almost want to get a megaphone and shout, actually, I'm really not coping. Can someone come over and help? Like I'm in a supermarket tannoy. It, that's what it feels like. I just want to go, uh, excuse me, uh, I'm struggling in aisle three. Can, can someone come over and bloody well help me right now? <laughs> And that's the thing, because the more we are frightened, the more we're struggling with anxiety and depression, the less likely you are to reach out to people. That's the sad truth, because you're like, well, there must be something wrong with me, or I'm not coping, or... And actually, for me, I felt probably more depressed this year than anxious. More fraught, more agitated because I'm almost looking up at the sky sometimes and thinking I don't know where where my place is in the world sometimes I don't know where I fit in I know I'm a mum I know I have my husband I know I have friends but I have spent most of my life feeling incredibly unsure of everything everything so now through therapy I am thinking, step back, take a moment, breathe. What are the triggers? How can you work around this? And actually, it is helping. And I hope that helps you to talk about these kind of emotions. Because when trauma happens, there's a lot of people that have been through very difficult things don't know how to manage it. We're just supposed to, in a way, get on with it. You know, whatever we've been through, there's almost like this, you're rewarded by society in staying, being stoic. Oh, they've been through hell, but look how sturdy and strong they are. Look how amazing they are in the face of adversity. And actually, there's also strength in saying, I'm not coping, I'm struggling. I, and I had a little bit of that last week. There's just been one thing after another. And I just sort of hit a real kind of... It's, fucking hell, is this it? Like, because this is not... I'm not living my best life. I hate that expression. Why am I saying living my best life? I'm just... Why is this so hard? Why is life... Why am I finding it so hard? And I... So I spoke to my husband about it and I said this is what I need and that is part of healing is saying okay I'm freaking out right now I'm burnt out I'm exhausted this is what I need right now and it and it it's come together because I've done something about it I've I've acknowledged it rather than pushing it away and almost demonizing the thoughts demonizing the anxiety and the and the depression and kind of living in fear now I'm going to leave you with something 
And I've been thinking about how to talk about this. So there's a film called With the Clown, It. So they did a remake of it. And the first one was the children. They went back to the children's childhood when Georgie is killed by the clown. And as the film develops, you realise that he is tapping into each of their fears, whether it's germs or because one of them's germphobic or fear of being bullied or chased or one of the the characters has is terrified of her dad and you see him like demonized in it and i realized that the clown controls them with fear and when they get stronger at the end of the film they realize that they need to shout him down they need to stand up to it because they've been running and running for through the whole thing but what they do is they stand up to him and he gets smaller and smaller. And you hear him saying in the film, fear, fear, fear. Because that's what he was driving him and that's what was controlling them. And that is what's happening to a lot of us. A lot of us with anxiety and depression, we are driven by our inner fears. Whatever they may be, they are driving us. And they have the power because we've given them the power we're giving the power to those fears of being inadequate or not enough or not thin enough or not pretty enough or clever enough. And I, it's like, wow, maybe it's time just to just stop for a minute and be kind to yourself. Maybe it's time to not let the fear win. To, and if you do get anxious, it's okay because you won't always feel like this. Take the Valium. Don't beat yourself up about it. Or go and speak to someone. It's it's really not easy, but it's also simple in a way that we are sabotaging our self, sense of self through not listening, by listening to the fear, by listening to that, the, the demon kind of voices, the, the bad negative voices that we all have so don't give them airtime. I can say that easily, but don't, don't give them airtime. Look away. Try and distract yourself. Find ways to bring joy to you, even if it's small, even if it's a tiny thing. If, that, if you know that's going to make you happy, because when you're down, you look for the bad stuff. When you're down, everything feels bleak and dark. So try and find tiny little moments, if you can, because... That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find those pockets of joy where I can think, actually, I don't feel great, but I know I can feel better again because I did this morning. Take it day by day or even hour by hour, which is what I'm trying to do at the moment. I really hope this helps. I haven't written this down. You can probably tell. I just kind of wanted to do a spontaneous episode about confronting fears and having boundaries so hopefully i'll speak to you guys soon and it won't be as long next time lots of love to all of you take care